If I were to ask you today to create a risk dial, not not for a physical virus, I think we've seen enough of those risk dials to last a lifetime, but for a pathogen that I believe is equally deadly, namely the virus of anxiety, what would your risk dial look like? I want to welcome you back to God-Sized Living. I'm kind of excited about today. We're going to be uh, taking a little bit of a journey and picking up this this topic that I think most of us, whether we're uh, leaders in the church or we're leaders in our community, uh, health uh, officials, we all agree is impacting us in ways that we probably can't even begin to imagine, namely this this topic of anxiety. And I want to raise three questions today. Uh, the first, I call it the the scope question. Like, how big a deal is this? Uh, is anxiety impacting a few people, a lot of people? Is it in my family? Uh, is it impacting, uh, how is it impacting our churches, our culture? How, how big a deal is it? Scope question. Then I want to dig down into, uh, let's call it the depth question. So how is it affecting us? And I think most of us know that anxiety impacts us physically, uh, none of us are surprised that, yeah, it impacts us psychologically, but is there a spiritual element to it? How is anxiety impacting people spiritually? I kind of want to get into, uh, into that today. And then the third question, probably by far and away the most important is the question of response. What are we supposed to do with it? How do we respond? Uh, I mean, we hear one thing from the medical community and it's not bad. I mean, there's some physical things that are going on in our bodies when anxiety hits us and cortisol goes crazy. And how do we how do we respond physically? But um, I want to get a little deeper than that, because beyond physical and psychological, I, I really think the roots of anxiety are actually spiritual. And so you have to answer the question, how do we respond spiritually when we're being impacted by anxiety. Let me tell you what kind of got me thinking about this. What took me down this road is is actually a book written by a good friend of mine and an author, a speaker, uh, a regular contributor to, to Fox News, uh, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. If, uh, if you don't know that name, let me just tell you that. Uh, he's a superstar, uh, one of the great rising voices in the world of apologetics today. Bethany House Publishing just released his latest book, and I want to recommend it to you. It's an excellent book. The title of it is Unleashing Peace. And in his book, he's really dealing with the scope question. He's asking, how big a deal is anxiety in our world today? And he gives this statistic that I found a little bit surprising. Um, maybe, maybe you won't be, but here, here's what he says, that today in America, four out of every 10 adults presents as having either an anxiety disorder or depression, four out of 10. That's significant to me. And it makes you pull back and say, what's it doing to us? In his book, he kind of drills down and he indicates several things that are byproducts of or that are birthed out of anxiety in our lives, all of which I think, again, have spiritual roots. Here's what he says. Suicidal ideation has just blown off the charts. Uh, In the last year and a half to two years, 26% of our young adult population, uh, one out of every four young adults, 
has indicated that they have had suicidal thoughts. That's phenomenal. Substance abuse. Listen to this. During the last two years, we have experienced four times as many deaths due to substance abuse as we did during the entire opioid crisis. Wow. Domestic abuse is is growing exponentially. Divorce. We've experienced loss, loss of income, loss of jobs, loss of sleep. In other words, this is not a little deal. This is pushing in on people. Anxiety, when you begin to analyze it from a spiritual position, is affecting us tremendously. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop for a minute. I'm going to put these statistics down because I know what happens when we hear statistics. Our minds kind of glaze over. So I want to share a, a story with you because this is a true story. Um, while I was putting this podcast together, uh, I met up with a, a young lady, hadn't seen her in a, a little while, who 10 years ago was caught up in, you talk about anxiety, uh, in, an, in a very anxious environment that led her to begin abusing drugs. She got into methamphetamines. And over the course of a, really a pretty short period of time, those those methamphetamines began to take over her life. And she reached a point where she would say, I really didn't care about anything in life other than the next hit. I didn't care about people. I didn't care even about my marriage, my kids, none of it. I just, I, I lived to get the next dose of meth into my body. And it really, it really pushed the pain that was part of my life away. It was killing her. Well, rescue came. People that loved her, cared about her, uh, confronted her. And ultimately, she, she did get help. Uh, she did go to a rehab facility. She was there almost a year and, and overcame it. Got out of that, started her own business. Her business became successful. It's really a great story. Well, here I run into her and just asked the question, how are you doing? And if you've ever had one of these moments where the person you're talking to stops and you can tell they're trying to decide, do I spill the beans or do I just say, hey, things are great and keep walking. She spilled the beans and it was hard. It was hard to listen. What she said to me was, you know what, in the last uh, couple of years, uh, that anxiety returned. And she says, I've gone back. I'm not using meth but I, I'm drinking a lot. I'm getting into gambling. Uh, it's during a time that her husband is dying of cancer. And she says, I, I know I'm spiraling down. I feel it in every way. But the pain in my life, I'm, I'm trying to get it out. And I know I've turned to the wrong thing. But my prayer is, I'm praying that I'm going to be able to beat this just like I, I beat the last thing and get out of it. In other words, she is stuck. I don't think that story surprises any of you. Most of us have people in our own lives, maybe in your own family, that you would say, look, anxiety is, is not just this little thing. It is a virus that destroys lives. And so the question that you have to ask is, uh, spiritually, if, if there's something spiritual at the root of this thing, how do we respond? What do we do with it? Now, I don't want to come across as cliche or, hey, I'm going to just be a naive, you know, person and, and, and put this out there. But I really do believe that when you come back to Scripture, 
you're you're looking at those spiritual roots of things. And there's nothing like the book of Daniel when it comes to addressing what we call this virus of anxiety in our world today. We're going back into the third chapter today. I want to remind you of where we are in the story, where we left off. I'm going to pray for some insight, and I just want to do that. Lord, we're just asking you for a little insight today as we turn to to Daniel chapter 3, and we think a little bit together about how do we, as your followers, respond to anxiety. I just pray that you give us insight in your name. Amen. Remember with me where we left off last uh, week. The spotlight has been turned upon three Hebrew men, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. We typically call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're Aramaic names. Remember what's happened is the king, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, had issued a decree that they worship him. They've said, we will not. And uh, last week when we, we left them, they were headed, headed for death. Uh, he has condemned them to death. Now, we are about 594 B.C., so they did not have gas chambers. They didn't have electric chairs, but they had furnaces, and that's what's happening. I want you to picture these three men, and they are bound in ropes. They are being led towards this fiery furnace. Well, remember, it's a smelting furnace. It melts metal, and so to melt metal, you, you have to operate in temperatures somewhere between 800 to 1200 degrees. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has given an order that that furnace be heated up seven times its ordinary ordinary uh, heat, which means that furnace is probably somewhere around 7,000 plus degrees. My mind can't even understand that. You know, when I cook pizzas, you, know, you, get, a, you get a pizza oven, you're going to cook a pizza at about 700 degrees and, and it takes about 30 seconds to cook a pizza at 700 degrees. Multiply that times 10. And here's what happens. As those three men are being carried towards this furnace, the guards that are carrying them actually are incinerated. They die. They cannot stand the heat. Uh, last week we said this, that, that, that these three men stand there uh, bound in ropes in front of this furnace, and they got they, they have in front of them this, this moment of a decision. Do we run for it, or do we put our, our lives into God's hands? And remember what happens is they decide, you know what, we're in God's hands, and they actually place themselves into this furnace. They fall into the furnace, and I want to just kind of frame this for us. You could not get a more anxious situation. You want to talk about anxiety? I mean, come on, think about this. Here are men condemned to death, being led to a 7,000 degree oven, furnace. They're being cheered on by people who hate them, kill them, kill them. And now they're inside the furnace. And what happens? You couldn't get more anxious, right? But they're not. They're calm. They're like babies sleeping in a crib. And you find yourself saying, well, well why? How, why aren't they anxious? And, and I think the answer we find uh, today uh, in these, these verses I want, I want to read for you, they're not alone in that furnace. They're not alone. Do you remember these words? This is chapter 3. Uh, again, Daniel uh, chapter 7. Excuse me, Daniel chapter 3. 
And I'm just going to go to verses 24 and 25. I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, if you're reading uh, your version of the Bible, it doesn't matter to the version. I think it'll come out about the same. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a sons of the gods. This has been a question over the years is who is this fourth person? Uh, Two theories have arisen. Uh, Some historians say, well, it was an angel. It's not a bad answer. Uh, Remember with me that Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us that even today, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, it says may actually interact with angels and be unaware of it. I, I ask Christians that all the time. Have you ever interacted with an angel? Be surprised at how many will say, I think so. But maybe it's not just an angel. This is the second theory that's risen up over the years is that this this fourth person is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus himself. Now, our minds go, wait, wait a minute. This is Old Testament. Jesus is not even born yet. That's, that's true. But remember with me in the Old Testament that Jesus shows up. Uh, he shows up in, in a mysterious way, uh, particularly in the book of, of Exodus. If you remember, as Israel is going across the desert towards the land of Canaan, remember that what went before them is what's described as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Do you know that the Hebrew word that's used for that pillar has the same consonants as the name Yahweh? Historians say that's, that's not just clouds and fire. That's, that's the presence of God himself. It's the pre-incarnate Jesus who's leading his people across that desert. And so what do we see? We see Israel calm. Israel able to enter into Canaan, a fortified land. They're not anxious because they believe our God goes with us. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to draw out of that that part of Daniel's narratives. Just a couple of thoughts that I, I think are helpful for us in our anxious times. Number one, I want to recognize that Daniel teaches us peace really is not the absence of conflict. Instead, it's the presence of promise. And sometimes I think we, we believe that. We think if, if I'm going to get less anxious, I've got to get stuff out of my life. This person makes me anxious. I got to get rid of them. Or this job's making me anxious. I got to get rid of it. Or you know what? This, this, this test that I have to take is making me anxious. So somehow I just got to get it out of the way. I don't think you can ever do enough in your life to, to get enough stuff out of your life to have nothing that produces anxiety. We live in a fallen world. Anxiety creating people and things will constantly be around us. Peace is not the absence of conflict. But you know what it is? It's the presence of promise. So second insight is the power of promise is really in the presence of of Jesus. Not, Not what we do, but his presence. 
we live, this isn't a surprise to you, we live in a very do-oriented kind of culture. And sometimes I think, well, we've, I've got to do something. I'm anxious. I've got to do something. You know what the Bible says is your first move is not what you do, but it's what you stop doing. It's what you put down. It's when you allow yourself to be fully present with God and allow his promises to begin to speak into your life. Kind of an interesting detail here. When you look in the Bible, do you know how many promises there are in the scriptures? Interesting. 7,147. How many degrees was that furnace? Yeah. 7,000 plus. Do you know that there's one promise of God for each degree of heat in that furnace? In other words, whatever you're facing in life, there's a promise for it. God knows us. He knows we're going to get anxious. He says, let me give you some promises that will battle that anxiety. And then the, the last thing I think I, I want to be able to say is that the presence of anxiety does not indicate the absence of faith. That's the third takeaway I want you to, to put into your pocket and, and be able to leave with because sometimes I think, you know what, if I'm anxious, does it mean I don't have faith? No, it does not mean that. It means you're a human being. You're being human. All of us are going to face it, anxiety. That's not a question. The question is, how will we deal with it? Let me leave you with a couple of questions today. The, the questions are, are, first of all, where is it in your life today? Where are you feeling anxious today? I want you to just spend some time thinking about that. Second question, how is the enemy using anxiety wherever it is in your life against you? Because I, I know that he is. And then lastly, how are the promises of God helping you through anxiety? I know that they will. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we'll, I'm looking forward to being with you next week. I hope that this uh, podcast is a blessing to you. If it is, let me encourage you just to share it with someone else. Uh, in the meantime, I, I want to pray for you. I really do. This is an anxious time we're living in. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Um, the anxiety is certainly a part of the church today. And until we meet again, I, I just ask that God would bless you. <laughs>